Here I am back with Allison Cheston. We're both wearing different outfits than, than the previous session, but I just have to say yeah. that there's some follow-up questions and um, I would we love to- We did not coordinate. We did not coordinate the outfit, but we're just both wearing something pretty adorable, <laughs> I guess. New day, new outfit. <laughs> new day, new outfit. Yeah. Uh, new advice. And Allison, in this case, I think before we hit the record button, and as someone, again, remembering all the struggles I had and frankly offering advice to others and remember still back then now for the basically for 20 years, all of these career advice that has been given, thrown around, sometimes without context. We're just going to debunk, demystify and really maybe clarify some of those things that are often given to young people. Sound good? Sounds good. Before we start, I just have to say that that recipe, that beautiful dish that you posted on Facebook the other day with the shrimp and the glass noodles, yeah, so gorgeous. It was like, welcome summer. It was incredible. Oh, oh my goodness. Thank you, Allison. The funny thing beautiful. is my mom and I are actually not really good at plating, which is the kind of a skill people yes, would have. it is. And you you know what I'm, I feel like I was just telling my mom earlier today I said you know why I love working with Allison from New York is that we can be so real and transparent with each other there's like no bs if something's <laughs> not working you can tell me I can share with you without dancing around something you know and then we can totally. be real we're very straight yeah I I love it it's priceless and um and and for that reason well I love to hear your opinion on this, you know, many different uh, advices, but this is the one that find where your passion and skills intersect. So it's a kind of a blanket statement yeah. and what great, are your thoughts? Great question. Great question. So first of all, there is, um, I believe there's way too much emphasis on this idea of passion mm -hmm. because, you know, I think people get very nervous. They feel like, oh my God, I don't know what my passion is. How am I going to find a job? How am I going to convey passion when I don't really have a passion? Very few people have a passion. You know, it's, it's not something that's ingrained in us. Hopefully you find something that you really care about, that you really enjoy doing, and you find it as early as possible. But it puts a lot of pressure on things, kind of like that find your dream job find your passion. These are just, they're, they're misnomers and they, they put a lot of pressure on, on people. So the first thing I would say is don't worry so much about whether it's your passion. We can find meaning in most things that we do. The thing to do is to get some experience and discover what you like, but just put one foot in front of the other and get started I was just talking to someone yesterday who said, you know, he had a, a, a nephew who had graduated from Hamilton College three years ago, and he still is sitting on the couch at his parents' house without a job. Mm -hmm. And, you know, notwithstanding mental health issues, that, that means he's totally paralyzed. There are so many young people who are paralyzed and, and having to find your passion and Find a job that lets you express that passion is one of one of the biggest issues, I think, for people. They just get totally paralyzed. Mm, I love the idea of finding meaning in almost anything and everything you're doing. And it's very true. And making that, taking that first step, followed by the second and third step, it's so crucial. Uh, and not overanalyzing 
that is is key mm, love it and um allison the second thing that people talk about is about over deliver over deliver on everything the interview your day-to-day -day job over deliver on that report um what are your thoughts on that mm. so um i believe in over delivering but not with everything you know you can't over deliver on everything I think that there's a tendency to under deliver. I think people are frequently looking for the easy way out. And um, I hear a lot of people in their twenties who say, you know, I just want a nine to five job and I want to leave my job behind at the end of the day so I can enjoy my life and enjoy the things that I like to do outside of work. I don't think that's so realistic. You know, I think your twenties and your thirties are really the time for building your career building your wealth so that you can live a comfortable life and, and, you know, continue to generate wealth in your life. Mm -hmm. um, uh, over delivering, I think is a really good sign, you know, from time to time, again, like you don't have to over deliver on everything, but impressing your managers by going that extra step, taking on that extra project, staying late in order to make sure that you complete something to your absolute best ability. I think that's really important and you will be, you'll be recognized for that because you'll, you know, you'll be, you'll, you're constantly being tested and, and compared to your peers. And if you're the one, you know, who, who takes on more, who's more enthusiastic, who gets more done, who takes things off your boss's plate, who anticipates your boss's needs, that's huge. You'll, you'll be recognized for it. And I think that is very important. Mm, you brought up, a number of really good points and number one as someone in her late 30s i can look back to my you know at my currently portfolio or whether it's my cash flow or my investment uh, portfolio which is really simplified it's total stock market passive index fund uh, accumulated through for investing in 401k and just always setting aside something at the time seems so in insignificant now i get to make choices based on you know who i want to work with the projects i want to do and you're absolutely right allison that it gives me a tremendous amount of freedom that sometimes i don't even see or appreciate but thank you for thank you for teasing that out so that's yeah. number one yeah and yeah number two you brought up a really good point about um twofold question i'll start with one which is how do you anticipate the needs of your boss, your manager in the right way. How do you start that conversation? You know, a lot of young people these days don't know yeah. how to do face to face stuff anymore. Yeah, it's such a great it's such a great question. I, you know, I do think that young people have have been disadvantaged by the lack of in person work. Um, you know, one of the best parts of going to work, especially when you're young, is that you have informal, you create informal networks, you're asked to participate in things. It, it's, it's so much easier when you are side by side with people, you can kind of suss out what's happening. So I think you have to be much more deliberate about figuring out who your boss is, how they like to work. First of all, you know, you can, you should be direct with your boss. You should say, I'm really anxious to help you to take work off your plate. And I want to help you first by understanding how you work best. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you like, how do you want to communicate with me so that we're most effective? 
Do you want to have weekly calls? Do you want to have daily calls? Do you want me to send you an email at the end of each day, just recapping what I'm working on? Um, would you like more man? Do you want to be more hands-on, more hands-off with me? Like, I would really spell it out. And I think people, for the most part, will help. They'll tell you, they'll appreciate that you made that extra effort. Mm-hmm. In terms of building informal networks, you have to just assume that people are going to want to meet with you mm-hmm. and be bold. Ask, you know, people in your department, can we meet for a coffee chat in person? If you don't have time, can we have, tw- can I have 20 minutes of your time over Zoom so we can get to know each other a little bit since I'm not in the office so much? Mm-hmm. Make sure that you take the initiative and invite people to have drinks after work one day in person. Um, a lot of people are, are more in person again, and there are a lot of offices that are going back to at least a hybrid approach. They recognize the importance of people being together. Mm-hmm. So there are lots of opportunities, but you have to take the initiative. Don't wait for your boss or some, you know, some other manager whose work you're interested in to invite you. Make sure you take the bull by the horns. And again, people will recognize that you're like you're a go-getter, you know. I love the advice, Allison. It's even true for the work that I'm doing today with uh, two to three virtual assistants and content managers that, yeah. for instance, yeah, Anna and I, you know, I always sometimes as a manager, uh, I proactively ask her, what can I do to help you? How can we work better together? Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with Anna, who is 10 years younger than I am, would approach and say, hey, Faye, how about we set up the notion board this way? Because we're both, you know, remote to each other. Oh. And, and she said, oh, how about we add this additional column oh, to make sure LinkedIn is posted? Can we add check boxes here? I mean, every little thing, and especially when you collaborate on a process that works for both of you, oh, it's groundbreaking. That feeling, it's like yeah. finding meaning in everything that we do. Yeah. Oh, it feels so good. Yeah. Yeah. To feel that connection with people, I, I cannot state enough how important it is mm-hmm. to at least meet people in person at least once. Mm-hmm. I have a, a client who, um, who's job whose uh, company is based in Tel Aviv and they have a big New York office and recently she was was in Tel Aviv and she got to go to the office and it was huge like she Mm -hmm. now she said she feels so much differently about you know all the people she's meeting with she feels like she's already built the relationships you know she had there's like a shorthand Mm -hmm. when you meet someone in person so if possible, I understand it's not always possible, but if possible, mm-hmm. you know, take that initiative. And even if you have to travel a bit to meet with someone in person, it's, I think it, it really, it really is worth it. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, the face-to-face opportunity when I was working at a, as a freelancer, whatever the arrangement may be, going to the, uh, the office uh, really made a huge difference to shake hands or these days avoiding handshake, but just to see each other face-to-face yeah. Uh, a brief coffee, uh, you know, a, a coffee break or coffee chat over with someone you work with. It just uh, means so much. So, yeah. um, Helen, I have a question since you brought up about burnout. Mm. Um, you know, these days, a lot of people and young people as well, you know, we're trying better ways, more efficient ways to work on something. I find that it's so easy to sometimes over deliver or under deliver so much um we talked about the detriment of like under deliver trying to cut corners but if we're over delivering all the time 
we experience this burnout and sometimes we don't know it until we're in it, until it's too late. So what are some of your measures for someone in their 20s or in their 30s about <laughs> seeing that coming and, and making adjustments and having a better mindset? Yeah. So, I mean, this sounds like the most basic advice in the world. I don't, you know, I, I'm, I almost don't need to say it, but taking care of yourself in general, making sure that you are getting enough sleep, exercising most days, like at least getting outside and doing and taking a walk most days and eating a good diet. It, it makes a huge difference. I, you know, people who work very long hours often neglect those things and they, they tend to go hand in hand. So, you know, if you're working on a big project and you're, you know you can anticipate that you're going to have, say, two weeks of really intense work and long hours, you can plan around that. But when it's finished, take a break, like take a day off you know, go and do something fun, like make sure that you have your rewards in place so that you what you know, like, this is a finite period of time. And I know I'm really going to do this fun thing at the end. Um, I think that that makes a huge difference to people. Um, this morning, I took this amazing yoga class, and it was just it just felt so good. And then and I, I was sitting outside my building, I was drinking coffee and there is this enormous dead rat sitting in the middle of the grass. Oh, <laughs> it's like, welcome to New York. Oh, it's just like, I was feeling so good. It's a beautiful day. I'm having my coffee and there's this rat. And I was trying so hard. I was just thinking, oh, oh, like New York in the summer. It's so gross. Like it's, it really is. And then I said, okay, I just have this yoga class. Like, I'm going to have a good day. I'm going to talk to Faye. We're going to have a good session. <laughs> Got my clients and, and, you know, all set. But just, just to illustrate, like, you just, you sometimes you really have to work hard to, to keep your frame of mind, you know, relaxed yes. and happy and all that. Yeah, it's yes. so true. I mean, this is basic. It's not basic, right? Um, just because it's, um, it sounds simple doesn't mean it's easy. And, I agree completely, you know, what you experience from the yoga class can really offset some of the surprises unanticipated that may come on later. Imagine if that's all you could see, right? Like you, yeah. you see the dead rat and then you have to work 18 hours that day. It's probably not gonna <laughs> turn out to be You're like, oh my God, that's emblematic of what my day is gonna be like, but not get into that mindset that, you know, your day is gonna be terrible. Like just, yeah. just, have those things planned out, but really like very deliberately plan those things that you're going to do to reward yourself. Mm. I think that makes a big difference. The one thing that I do to reward myself, like you said, is going out for a walk and not rushing myself. But even if I have like a 20, 30 minute break, I actually not measuring my footsteps, but I still want that excuse to go out. I also have a uh, trampoline, like a pretty high end German trampoline. Oh, Ooh, I have to send it to you, Allison. You would oh. say that. Bellicon is the name of the brand and it's not so sponsored, wow. but Bellicon yeah. has the best it, it's not made out of like, you know, wire and metals. It's like these is high end is elastic bands uh -huh. and it's where I have this rainbow color. And then I just take a break. Like literally if I have only 10, 15 minutes in between calls, I just leave my desk. I leave this room. I go, you know, downstairs, I bounce. And the moment you bounce on a trampoline, you're just oh, naturally in a good mood. Incredible. Yeah. That 
I love that, Faye. I've never, nobody's ever said that to me. That is the most incredible thing. You must feel so good after you do that. So relaxing. So relaxing. And there's something yeah. about- to go weightless. Like, you're going weightless and just feeling your body moving gently up and down. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, feeling our bodies is, it can yeah. never be in your body. You know, overrated because being totally. in your body, feeling something that I think it's better for health overall. And like you said, it was also with the, the bouncing around, it's like your, your good lymph nodes, health, and like everything starts to move around. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes I do some of really simple yoga moves, a sun salutation, like yeah. really basic that takes literally five, 10 minutes. And you don't think it's, um, I think about the, the parallel and the metaphor here is mm. you don't think it's doing much, like you're just walking around stretching, but uh, in the long run, and I, I think it's, huge benefits just like putting setting aside that one to two hundred dollars a month from your paycheck to a 401k and the time is like this is never gonna save me but 20 totally. years later it's significant oh yeah i was just in fact i was just with my daughter on saturday and um she was mm -hmm. we were talking about her 401k and she was telling me how thrilled she is when she's 20 turning 26 and she is contributing the max every every month and I was telling her how meaningful that was for me. You know, I've, 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 my 401k ballooned over the years mm -hmm. and it's just so satisfying. It's so great to be able to be a young person and saving money because mm -hmm. it's, it's not the norm. Most people have a lot of credit card debt. You know, they, they live hand to mouth, mm -hmm. whatever you can do to save money when, you know, when you're, as you, as you get older, it's hard to think about it when you're young because you think, oh, I'm never going to be 65. You know, that's, that's so far away. Yeah. But yeah. it's not. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I love yeah. the. I love talking about uh, money, and I encourage people who are listening to this to really learn more on their own. Get a partner to learn about this topic because yeah. it's not always available to certain communities, and it's especially underprivileged communities. Oh, I think that's a huge problem to say. Go get that free credit card. Don't pay it off. It is a huge problem yeah. in your 30s, 40s, when you're trying to invest in something, you're trying to buy a house, yeah. your credit score becomes a problem that I'm seeing some of my friends have to go through painfully. So totally. um, get smarter about money, even yeah. in your 20s. Yeah. yeah. There are a lot of good resources. Um, it might actually be like a nice thing for you, you know, to you to share with your listeners. I'll send, there are a couple of courses that I've become aware of that are over Zoom and um, and I actually, I was just, I was just in a book by, um, Jean Chatsky, who is, she used to be the financial reporter for the Today Show. And she has a website called hermoney.com. I often contribute to that. And I, so I'm in this new book that they have, and it's called something, how to money, how to money. Mm -hmm. And it's for people in their twenties, learning how to manage their money and grow their, grow their wealth. And it, these are these are invaluable skills. Oh, fantastic! We'll definitely include that as yeah. one of the resources. Yeah, yeah. So the next question, I, I think we could talk about these things forever. Right? There's so many questions that people ask. Um, for instance, one related to feedback. And when I took the course uh, online, you know, L10 BA with Seth Good, and I remember that's one of the most key takeaways is how to give and how to receive feedback. It's something that we never really learned in school and it becomes even more polarized and awkward at work. So I would love to 
hear some of your tips about giving and receiving feedback at work? Yeah, that's that's a, that's a great question. So, um, first of all, I, I think the natural response to taking feedback is to get defensive. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to hear criticism, um, forgetting putting to one side how it's delivered because that's that's another issue and we can talk about that. But regardless of how it's delivered, just trying to get yourself to calmly sit with it and not respond in the moment. You know, really take it on, consider it, think about it, and then come back with a response a few days later, maybe a week later. And just to tell, just to show your manager that you're paying attention, that, you, that you're listening, and maybe with um, with a bit of a plan for how you're how you're planning on addressing it and, and getting better, you know. So um, so that's you know on the on the receiving end, in terms of providing feedback, there's always been this this theory which I think still holds up quite well, this notion of um, for every negative thing you say to somebody, give them three positive things first. Mm -hmm. And you can even sandwich those things. You can give them two, two positives, one negative, and then a positive afterward. And be generous, you know, just maybe contextualize as much as possible. I think sometimes people are in a hurry. They don't contextualize things, but it's all in, it should be viewed and it should be delivered as a gift, as I care about you, I care about your career, and I want you to get better. And here is some information and here are some things, some tips, the things that I learned as I was going through my career as a young person that helped me to get to improve in this particular area. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's assuming you have a really good manager and most people don't, sadly. Mm, sadly. Uh, but that's great advice. I think we really need reminders like, oh, I'm in a hurry. Let me just give you this one negative or area you need to improve. And when you come back later, we'll tell you something positive. Like, no, you have to structure yes. it. And you're right. Don't rush it. If you feel all worked up, you know, don't make decisions when you're angry. Wait right. until everything kind of simmers down a little bit and make better decisions and make better um, conversations. Yeah, it's really true. And And frankly, you know, We've, we've been in an incredible job market for the last year. So managers are trying desperately to retain good people. So they should be really incentivized to do this right and to get some help on it if, if it's not a strength of theirs. The market probably, the job market probably will be slowing down somewhat sometime around the fall. Um, so this is the time, you know, for people, you know, managers to really focus on retention when companies need to keep people. Mm -hmm. Fantastic advice. Um, there is a kind of a more controversial question topic. I don't think it's as it's that controversial, but the yeah. idea. Oh, I'm ready. I was like, I love. <laughs> yeah, what, you know, a lot of people experience have experienced this in the past and have received feedback related to you're now working in a clearly toxic, very negative environment. And we are often given the advice to say, you know what, you got to do your part. This is very common. Just stick to it, milk the cow, do what's necessary. And then, you know, protect yourself first and then look for a new opportunity. And what do you think of that advice? And what, if, if what would you do differently or say to 20 year old? So, um, so I think if, the, if the person is truly toxic, 
I mean, I hate to say this, but unfortunately going to HR is probably not going to help because they're there for a reason. So there is some, there is some mechanism in place that you will never know. You'll never decipher what it is. That person, they can't get, they can't get rid of that person. They're probably aware, but for whatever reason, they can't. Um, so what to do, you know, I, I do think having, trying to have calm conversations when things are, you know, when that manager is not hot and angry and just explaining how it makes you feel and, and don't attack that person, but just take it, just say, you know, I, I'm the way you spoke to me earlier, um, it, it made me feel small and I'm, I'm hoping that we can find a better way to communicate. But ultimately, you just got to get out of there. You know, if you've got a if you've got a toxic manager, you really do have to get out. And I really, as I said earlier, the job market is very robust right now. It is going to slow down. Look now. Mm-hmm. This is a great time to look. And you know, companies are are paying higher salaries. They're, they realize that inflation is a big issue for their employees. But of course, the flip side of that is inflation is very real and companies are going to be contracting. Mm -hmm. So look for a new job. Mm. That's my advice. (laughs) Love it. Sometimes we have to be really straightforward and I don't know what it was 10, 15 years ago. I personally didn't receive a lot of very straightforward advice. There's so much of you're in your early twenties and you should think on your own, be independent, but you really don't have a lot of enough data points or experience to make. How do you know? How do you know? So I, I really appreciate your direct, you know, your, your directness and, and helping students really guide, especially if something seem maybe even obvious to you, like something, wow, you're really heading towards the, the wrong direction. This is hurting you. Let's do something about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, I, I'm remembering, you know, and I was, I was actually in, probably in my thirties, um, I was in a meeting with our, our, my, the company I was working for had been acquired pretty recently. And uh, we were working on a proposal with this, this representative from the other company. And he used a, um, an anti-Semitic slur when (laughs) talking about the work that we were doing together, not directed at me, but it was about the proposal. And I was, I was so shocked. Um, I immediately went to not my, the, my boss was with me, but my, I didn't have a good boss mm-hmm. and nor was he Jewish. So I also felt like he didn't hear it the way I did. Mm-hmm. And I went to my, to the, one of the founders of the company, the, or the original company that I worked for. He was, he turned bright red. He was so angry. He went right to the chairman of the higher of the company that had bought us mm-hmm. and um, they fired the guy immediately wow and i was so grateful like that was the absolute best possible outcome there's just no place for that yeah you're oh wow i mean that i would say what a you know not a lucky outcome what a this is something that we have to acknowledge and address and like you know and to bring to somebody's attention because the the hardest thing that i have ever lived through and i you know for me unlike a lot of my peers or a lot of other immigrants i i know that 
you know, they, they work in these jobs I have not taken on and they, they really felt bullied and, you know, discriminated against. And I had very little of that experience, but the one thing I did uh, mm -hmm. live through was where they very high up was we're in a financial institution, people who are well educated, very well dressed. Mm -hmm. And um, at the beginning, I was kind of in this denial, like this can't be happening in Boston, right. yeah. in a metropolitan city. And it just became very obvious that this very blonde, very blue eyed, and this, she kind of fits the profile, but those are not the only cues you need to look for. She was very right. pleasant at first, right? Because yeah. anybody could, you Absolutely. know. can come from anybody. Could come from anyone. And in this case, she was very senior and very powerful woman and a woman which was really hurtful. Mm. And there happened to be um, a Mexican woman, a Chinese woman on her own team. And there's me from the consulting side. And I noticed she was very pointish. She was very dismissive, very negative when these people, including myself, would speak up. So I would observe, and Allison, it's kind of my yeah. own detriment. I was like, uh, okay, let me just experience once, twice, three times. And until in the end, you know, she made me do something, printing out all the design on paper. I said, we have a projector. This is really not good. She organized the meeting at a green center. I'm, I kid you not. And she said in front of me, who asked you to print out all these things? This is, why don't you throw it away? I was literally walking over and wow. she said there was going to be like a mountain of paper that she had made you print out print out and then she said there's going to be 18 people show up at a design session that in itself is a whole other problem but three people showed up <laughs> right so i literally had 80 percent overage on printout and oh. I, that was the time that i brought up to uh my manager my supervisor at the time and then they immediately blamed it on me and said we're going to put you on a i actually said please put me on a different project uh -huh. And I remember, Allison, I never cried in my career ever. Oh, I waited God. until I left the building. Yeah. And I came out, I walked another street over and I literally started crying. You know, it was oh, so hard. So terrible. <laughs> I don't... Oh, it's so terrible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's uh, awful. I, I didn't know what to do, frankly. I look no. back to the experience no. and I hear these advice of don't waste the pain, don't waste that experience. What could you have done differently? And the funny thing, you'll not believe this, that I remember going back a couple of weeks later, the Mexican woman bought me this chocolate, like little gourmet chocolate. She didn't say anything. She said, you know, I just want to, you know, give this oh, to wow. you. You've done such a wonderful job. It's a client. Oh. And the Chinese woman took me out to lunch with my mom in Newton and she was so kind. She's like, I was 27 at the time. She's like, I really admire your leadership from up close and afar. I'm like, leadership? I don't think I Wow. Oh, I love that. I, I know it was that. so touching. But I should have And they, they had to, of course, stay there and take the heat from that awful woman. Exactly. And yeah. that, was, that was crazy. So um, I, I always, like now meeting you, I realized I was in my 20s. I always felt like I should have done something. What could I have done at the time? What can we advise to other young people, potentially people of color um, or, or the community at large? Like what can yeah. they do in that case? Yeah, it's really, it's very tough to know. I mean, I think in your case, you were fortunate that you were a consultant, right? So I think if you, in, a, in the position of a consultant, you could actually complain about her. And not, you know, you wouldn't, there would be no retribution. You probably wouldn't work with them again, but 
yeah. you know, presumably you had moved on at that point. So I think that that's, you know, you're in a great position to do something. Having said that you're 27, you don't know what to do and who do you talk to and why would they believe you? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's so much about like the me too movement and what women have had to put up with over the years, you know, from toxic men thinking that they have, you know, just full rights to everything they want. Yeah. And it's similar, but somehow it's not more painful. It's just differently painful when it comes, when it's racist or, you know, anything. I mean, right. You know, the, we, we are unfortunately in a situation right now in this country where racism and anti-Semitism is absolute height. And uh, thanks to, you know, certain administrations which, who condone this behavior and I think people have, they feel they can wear their feelings on their sleeve yeah. and harass, harass people who look different from them. Yeah, it's and, very true. And for anybody who's listening, whether you have experienced this personally, if you know someone who has, I think, frankly, number one, something you brought up, Allison, is to, number one, listen and believe in them as opposed to doubting them. Oh, this can't be happening because... right. You know, it's really hard that as a Asian- It's hard to believe when it's happening. You, you can't, you're like, did I hear that right? Like you can't, you yeah. can't quite process it because it's, it just feels like it comes out of the blue. Yeah, exactly. And it's a, you know, I, I know that we're certainly not, you know, going to lean into politics, but I even had a conversation with someone who did vote for that administration. I don't have a lot of friends who did, yeah. but out of the two to three people, someone was close and said- well, nobody's gonna no, Faye. What do you mean against Asian people, Asian women? That can't be happening. And oh I'm yeah, like, no, that's not happening at all. <laughs> <laughs> I wow. know it's like now I have to prove it, now I have to talk about wow. it, and and really, it's really hard to imagine. I said maybe I believe you won't do anything, right? Like you are mm. a good person at heart, but sometimes when people hear a certain message, you're right. All of a sudden, they feel so righteous for. Oh, I've been wanting to do this. And now it's an opportunity. Now, you know, anybody could, like Adam would say, you can run down, you know, 90 West or 90 East with your pants off. Just because you can't doesn't mean you should. And, right. you know, if somebody can, you know, vouch for that and say that's okay, then some people, even if it's a small percentage, frankly, that would be too much to say yeah. that's okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, I've had so many conversations lately with, you know, people I know who are Chinese American or Asian American, and they are constantly having people say things to them on the street. Yeah. You know, go back to China and things like crazy, like yeah. crazy things. And I've, I've never, this is totally new. It's never happened before COVID. Yeah. But these, but these are, they always believed it. They just now feel that they gave them gave them permission yeah and the frequency of that's happening yeah right now yeah. It, it is something i think especially for coming back to careers it's difficult i frankly i now as an older person who's matured versus my goodness in my 20s if this is happening every day i don't know how i would feel about going to work how i would be treated or looked at differently yeah. even if it's not from the majority of the totally. people but you just never know um how that's going to land. So um, I'm going to, you know, I thank you, Allison. I really appreciate it. And then you for opening up to this uh, 
very challenging topic. And I think there's an adjacent one, which is there yeah. are a lot of people on Google right now asking. Nice segue. <laughs> this is actually related about me finally as a result of that event i will say a conclusion and related note is that i immediately decided to pivot i knew that i had to leave the company and as someone by the way as an immigrant i'll be very open i can't just leave a job and go to another one i have to land a job fire all the paperwork wait for the immigration delay if any and then make that switch so that night, as I was crying, coming home, didn't want to waste the pain, started looking for jobs, got four offers in two weeks. Um, I, was, <laughs> wow. I was ready to go. And, but right now, commonly on Google, like people knowing that the opportunities are out there more variety than ever before, um, people in their 20s are really worried about, um, how, can, can you change your careers in your 20s? Is that a good idea? Does it look bad on resume? And uh, so, yeah, career. Yeah, oh yeah, great. That's such a great, great topic. So um, a few things. First of all, you can absolutely change your career at any time, honestly, but there are certain things that you have to do. So first, it depends on what you mean by change your career. Without doing anything differently, you can change your function or you can change your sector. You cannot do both without going back to school. Mm -hmm. So if, you, if you're in marketing and you work in um, consumer goods, you could pretty straightforwardly get another job in marketing working for a tech company. Mm -hmm. um, if you were in finance and your specialty was real estate, you could go and you could take a job in finance that was working for a consumer goods company. So you can definitely change one or the other. If you plan on making a wholesale change and you really want to go from finance and in, in the tech sector to um, you want to become a social worker or you want to work in marketing um, for a, you know, a, develop, a real estate development firm, you should probably go back to school. And, and what school? It depends. I mean, you could get an MBA, but that would reset you because you learn a lot of new, new skills. You then have a chance to practice them in your internship in, in the middle of the, the two-year program, if you do a two-year program. Or like say you want to become a web developer, you could do a boot camp and you could then become a UX designer, for example, you know, and in the same, in the same sector, but, you know, in a, in a different, in a different capacity. So there are lots of ways that you can make change, but you do have to be mindful of how much change and then, you know, the requisite things that you have to do in order to make those changes. Mm, those are great advice because some of the questions that came through are, I've made up my mind and I probably need to, a lot of people were asking, I probably need to go back to school. And the it becomes a very nerve wracking due to the very high tuition rates and thinking yes. about what's the likelihood of me making the same amount of money, more money, or even less money in some cases. How do you think people should weigh in going back to school versus trying to make more money or, or thinking it through? clear-headed. Yeah. So, so when, whenever anyone wants to make change like that, I always recommend that you find people to talk to. 
So obviously, you know, this is very obvious, but if you're applying to master's programs of any kind, MBAs or other types of master's programs, really important to go to the, to the info sessions, ask questions, find out what people have done with that degree, find out if there are people who are currently doing what you do and what they did afterward, were they able to easily pivot to this, this other idea that you have. Um, the other thing is you can, especially when you're a young person, you should go on LinkedIn and look for people who have, who have done those degree programs or those boot camps or taken courses. And there are so many different ways you can slice it and then look and see what their trajectory was and reach out to them and ask if they would be willing to have a, a chat with you. Um, there are, you know, you're interested, you suddenly decide you want to do something that's more like in sustainability and maybe you've been working, you know, in the beauty industry and, and you, you know, you want, you want something that has more of an environmental stamp on it. There are so many directions you can go with that. You could go into corporate social responsibility. You could um, get a master's in something more very specific in environmental science. And then you could, you know, go work for an agri-tech company in, you know, in marketing. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, honestly, there are so many different iterations of this, but the most important thing is that you have some idea of how you want to take your transferable skills and apply them elsewhere. And then talk to as many people as you can who've already made this transition. And just make sure that this is the right degree program because it because it's expensive. Sometimes you can get financial aid. There are different ways you can pay for things, mm -hmm. but um, but generally it's expensive just to go to school because you're out of the market for that period of time. So mm -hmm. you're not you're not making you know you have you have no income at that time. So you can consult on the side. There you know there there are lots of ways to slice it, and and don't. Forget community colleges mm -hmm. have a lot of programming for, for career changes, especially people who are more low income, who need to work while they're in school. They're an incredible resource. And during the Obama administration, they put a lot of money into those programs. And they are so helpful, especially to, you know, new arrivals to the United States, um, you know, First generation college students, people who you know are lower income and have a lot of financial pressure, they are really, really helpful resources. So don't don't neglect those. Mm, I love it. And Allison, in case you have any resources or links you would like to share, yeah, share sure. along. Thank you. Sure. Um, I'll try to wrap up with two questions. One is that. There are a lot of startups and there has been startups since I was in school and a lot of young kids were, you know, running towards them, running towards these opportunities, working with other young people, ideas. And sometimes they don't even, startups don't even require all these fancy degrees and uh, all that, you know, years of experience. So what's your take on whether somebody in their 20s should join a startup and what are some of the things they should look for when joining the right or good startup? So I, I'm a big fan of going to work for a startup. Um, you can get all kinds of ex experience that you wouldn't necessarily get in a bigger company or in a more established company. You know, you can become, you can sort of do five things in a startup when you maybe just had one job in a more traditional company. So it, it depends on your financial situation, how much stability you require. The earlier the stage, the less stable the startup is. But that's also where the opportunity can lie. Mm -hmm. 
Now we've gone, we've just been in incredibly fertile grounds for startups and that is starting to contract. Um, there was just so much money being thrown at startups in the last couple of years, which is interesting because it was during COVID. Yeah. So um, if you, I would say for the best combination of security, you know, like stability and you know, getting in fairly early, Series A startups, um, typically they have, you know, they have their, their leadership team in place. Um, sometimes they, you know, there are a few hundred people but at that point and they've raised money. Look for a track record that the founders have. Look for founders who have started other companies and, and sold them successfully. Um, you wanna look for, you know, you wanna really look for a good team um, and you can get so much information just on LinkedIn alone, just looking at, at people. So I would say that, and I would say that everyone, honestly, you know, in an ideal world, you should have, you should get a, a degree. Um, even I understand like if you, you know, get an associate's degree and then you want to work and, and then make money in order to afford, you know, the next two years to get your BA, but nothing replaces that education. And, and even if, you know, some startups will hire people who are in the middle of their education, mm -hmm. that's great. It's great to get some experience, but I really recommend going back to school and making sure you complete your education. You'll thank yourself in later years because you'll always be penalized for not finishing your degree. Yeah, true. Especially like, like you said, a bachelor's degree, we're not even talking about your ultra PhD postdoc or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, I think just to bachelor's. Not just the bachelors, exactly, because on one hand, yeah, you have heard, we have all heard 14-year-old coders were getting fancy jobs, but that is far and few between and, and just you can rely on that um, yeah. really to be recognized, to really secure a job. Um, my last question, Allison, as we can keep you on, I could, it's so fun to do these things. I, I have so to fun. I love it. I absolutely love it. And the last question is related to all these opportunities to become uh, content, cre content creators. Uh, when I say that, I yes, generally that's the umbrella of you can start your own business. And of course you can sell products, design things. And mm. um, and these days, a lot of people come to me like, how, how do I become a part-time or full-time content creator, specifically blogging, podcasting, YouTubing, and Instagram influencers, that whole thing. And I see a lot of young people with, you know, some of them without a lot of experience, with a lot of um, preparation to kind of hop right in, expect for quick and fruitful returns. Right. And, <laughs> and, uh, and it's hard. But at the same time, you know, was funny for my generation, there were not as many people in their 20s doing this as opposed to people in their 30s and 40s who wrote books, who really speak and then publish their articles. Now more and more people in their 20s started to to do this. So uh, I think it's a pretty broad question. We can probably spend the entire other hour recording <laughs> um, all the yeah. Q&As, but what's your take, Allison? How does someone more wisely approach this? Yeah. So I have a pretty strong reaction to that question. Um, I don't believe there are obviously always exceptions, but generally speaking, I don't believe that people should immediately start their own company because what do you know? You don't know anything like go get some experience working for someone who you respect and who does a great job in the area and that field, 
and then start your own thing. What's the rush? You know, obviously everyone looks, oh, Mark Zuckerberg started Facebook in his dorm room and he dropped out of Harvard. And there are like five people who have been incredibly successful doing that. Five. Um, You don't hear about so many others. And, And there's something, there's something deeply unattractive to me about the very brash, arrogant, uh, very young person who is um, telling everybody how amazing they are and starting their own thing. And it sounds very sexy, but um, I, I I, I don't really believe that you have enough to offer. I think it's much more respected you know, to go ahead and, and work hard for somebody else and learn a lot and then start your own. Yeah. Um, so that's my sort of unadulterated view. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that initial experience, whether it's working for two years or five or 10 years, you really learn. And plus, you build all these connections that could serve you later on. Sure. There's people you could hire, you could learn yeah. from for your own company. And, and that is tremendous. And for anybody who is thinking about like you are, you have this hunger, you have this desire to create value for other people. Great. Whether you're a plumber young, there's a lot of young plumbers. That's a really good job. As I learned, you yeah. pay a lot of money. You yeah. can produce videos where you can show people how to use, right. them, how to set something up. Totally. Totally. Can I just value. interrupt you, Faye? I, I should have said that if you want to test your skills, do it on the side, like what you're yeah. saying, you know, this idea of setting up a side business is doing a side hustle. I think that's fantastic. And then you really prove to yourself and other people that you can, you can do it. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, for sure. And part-time is important. It, it's, I do yeah. not believe that especially, you know, finance is an important element for you. Uh, you know, you're not living in your parents' basement. You don't have a ton of savings and just drop everything to start an Instagram account. That is not the way to go. Uh, even if you, there are a lot of courses that you spend $300,000 on tells you that you can do it within 90 days. Uh, no, uh, most things do not happen in 90 days and uh, you want to find something longer term. So. Yeah. Uh, please let us know if you have any questions. I'm sure you probably have plenty of questions based on this hour plus a previous hour of conversation. And we love to answer your questions for sure. And thank you, Allison. This has been so fun. It's always fun, Faye. I really appreciate your time. It was so much fun talking to you. And I love it. You know, I love your questions. They're all near and dear to my heart. And I'm always happy to talk to anybody if they have further questions. Absolutely. And Allison's contact information is all in the description below as part of the podcast show notes. So ask away. And with that said, I'm going to take us offline and finish the recording. Okay.